This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IV Press and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. table midwives of culture for grace and truth it's Kimini, michelle and christina this table is built by black women and for black women so welcome to the table sisters how you doing wait a minute wait a minute the sisters aren't here it's just me and i am here with my beloved i'm here with my husband hello <laughs> surprise 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 isn't this isn't this a COVID-19 2020 remix? I made it to the table. <laughs> I'm so grateful to be a part of uh, this amazing platform that the Lord has given you. And so thank you for having me. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, you know, last last week, the the episode or whenever, you know, whenever this will, will air, but the, we've had a, kind of a little bit of a mini series and um, the the sisters at the table, you know, we talked about singleness and dating. Um, and I, I got the, the opportunity to interview Michelle and Kimini. And um, and I hope that was a blessing that people were already getting all kinds of responses about that episode. Mm. And so we, th- we thought it might be interesting to, to follow up with an episode about marriage. All and, right. <laughs> <laughs> especially marriage, and not just in general, but marriage in particular, mm-hmm. in light of the COVID, in well, light of the Rona. Well, okay. Well. Marriage during the time of the pandemic. My goodness. Yes, and so I thought, <laughs> so I thought Michael, come on in, come on in here and and talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk to me and talk to the people. Yeah. Talk to us as together mm-hmm. about uh, marriage and COVID right now. So, of course, you said yes. And yes. So, <laughs> so, I here, did. so here we are. So mm-hmm. here we are. So, so well, welcome. I'm glad to be chatting with you today. All right. I'm glad to be chatting with you, too. Um, uh, you know, we often chat um, in the car and around the kitchen table. So I'm glad to be talking about this. Of course, we do know something about being married in quarantine <laughs> conditions. So I hope that... I Marriage hope, under quarantine. Yeah, I hope that we um, are able to offer something that will be a blessing. Yeah, or, or we can, or we'll learn. Or, yeah, or absolutely. Whatever. I'm sorry. I'm eager to, every time I talk to you, I learn from you. So I'm looking forward to learning from you. So. Thank you. See, look at that. Look at that. That'll bless you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> tip number one. <laughs> tip, tip, tip number one. Seek to learn from your spouse. Tip yes. number one. So, but I but I do want to check in with you because you know you and I both um, we got our own we got our own marriage our own marital stuff that we work through. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been married for almost two decades. That's right. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> <laughs> What you, what you about to say? I just I know it's a little extra something in that long. <laughs> well, it is long it is. time, long, yes. long time, long time, long time, long time. But uh, but th- what that means is that you know we we've grown up together, we've grown yeah. together, right? And, and, yeah. and that's not always the case. Sometimes people grow apart. <sighs> that's true. You know, they grow away. Um, and so we are grateful for God's hand at work, growing us together and, and sanctifying us, uh, and, and the relationship of marriage, although there are many, many spaces in which the Lord is, uh, at work, sanctifying people, right. kind of, all kinds of relationships. But That's I right. just wanted to check in with you first about how, how are you doing in light of COVID and quarantine and what it means to just have a new way of having to do everything it feels like everything is slower feel like there's not a lot of respite it's just mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of stress right mm-hmm. now so I just want to check in with you how are you doing i am traumatized <laughs> thank, you, thank you for that <laughs> i just be honest i am traumatized i think uh this has been a national and international 
global trauma. Um, and uh, I, I am. And I, I think in some ways I'm depending on what what day you ask me, I'm going through all the stages of grief. Uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, 180,000 people dead, so many millions that have been infected. And um, and that on top and that is on top of the stress um, that we have already been enduring um, in terms of issues of racial injustice and um, just um, just a number of things. And um, and that's on top of whatever you had going on in your personal life, you know. So it's just been it's been traumatic. Um, but, you know, it's it's been there have been dirt, certainly um, there have been moments of joy and actually more than moments. There have been there have been, you know, um, there have been days of joy. And uh, and so it depends on what what when you ask or what time it is or whatever. But so we cycle through. But um, yeah. How are you doing? How am I doing? Well, you know what? I, you know, I am, I'm tired. I think that's the main reframe that I say every day. Mm-hmm. Every, yeah. I say that just about, Micah knows this very well because I'm mm-hmm. usually saying it to him, but I, I am, I'm tired. I wake up, I wake up fairly early each day. Um, mm-hmm. But it, so it's not an issue of sleep tired. It's a, it's kind of a, it's a soul tired. It's a body tired. It's a, it's an emotional tired. And so, um, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to plot on a vacation. I'm like, we gotta, we got a vacation out of this moment in some way, shape or form just for some time of restoration. Right. So I would, I mean, I would say that's a theme that I've noticed. My body is, is exhausted. And, mm-hmm. uh, as somebody who's, you know, more somatic, that's kind of how I experience stress is through my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so my body is weary in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, for me, tr- traveling and connecting with people, um, is a, a source of just, it's energizing. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I feel like it's actually even a part of like my vocational identity, like my calling mm-hmm. is to connect with people, is to travel, is to reach out. And so uh, in some ways I feel like even some of like our vocational identities are, are up for reassessment right now or mm-hmm. up for, um, correction or, or, you know, I just, adaptation. adaptation, right. I feel like that's on the table too. And I know as you know, for you as a clergy person, you know, what I've been hearing is that clergy has been that, you know, if you think about a group that really is under, um, a lot of pressure, a lot of change, just the, the stress of change, you know, school teachers, mm-hmm. uh, pastors, obviously medical professionals, et cetera. Right are under a lot of that, but and from your vantage point, wearing kind of your vocational hat as clergy pastor, mm-hmm. what is, what has this season been like and what have you been hearing from, you know, your, your fellow, you know, church leaders around the country um, right. in light of COVID? Yeah. Uh, I think um, it's been a difficult season for everybody. Um, yeah. I think, I think anybody that's in a, what we might call a helping profession where you are especially involved with, um, caring people through caring for people through distress and crisis and trauma. And you sort of take some of those things onto yourself. And if you began to take, if you began to add on top of that a global pandemic and all of that brings, um, you know, people can really start to burn out. And so I've, I've heard for, of a number of pastors who have had crises, um, folks who have, um, you know, had sort of, a vocational crisis, you know, wondering whether or not they should stay in the ministry or leave the ministry, yeah. um, and that kind of thing. Um, for yeah. I, I, for myself, um, I, actually, um, I've we made a transition recently, so um, it's kind of been a season of um, I don't know. I think it's been a season of reassessment for me. It's been a it's exciting season for for me, um, and and I think I hope hopefully us. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we prepare to launch a new church and we've moved to a new city and all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So there's some exciting things even happening in the midst of all of this, but, um, but it's just been, it's just been wearying for a lot of people, you know? Um, and um, so, yeah, but the Lord has been faithful through it all. He has been, um, but we can still say that it's, it's been, it's been hard. Mm-hmm. You know, so for sure. uh, what have you noticed among people mm-hmm. in your circle um, mm-hmm. and perhaps because you you know you do a number of things. You wear a number of hats: um, diversity, equity, and inclusion trainer, professor, um, a lot of things that you do. Could you share some of the things that you've noticed from folks that are in your circles mm. or in in your field? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, I think that people are, um, yeah, I think people are going through the stages of grief, right? And so there, there is a fair amount of denial. There's, there is kind of a, kind of a mental and emotional chaos for some people. I think there's also, um, you know, just a weariness, um, you know, exhaustion. I do think that there are some people who, once you, you know, once you, once you come to acceptance, I do think you can get to innovation. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just talking mm-hmm. to um, uh, Sister Monique Gadsden about this, Doctor the Dr. Monique, and about how, you know, this particular social moment, it's, you know, it's a crisis and we really do need to respond. I think we need to respond in repentance, to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also along with repentance um, through innovation right. and um, both of those things take humility. Yeah, and yeah, innovation yeah. and repentance both take humility. That's right, yeah. And they and they take a proper as- assessment of the reality of the moment. And I think that right. we're not there. There are too many of us, and even my talk about myself. Uh, there's a lot of avoidance, so we can't properly assess the moment. We can't take the temperature of the moment, so we can't innovate. Right. Um, right. And so it's it's almost like people are 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 waiting, thinking that okay, tomorrow is going to be some magic wand that stops this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's gonna happen mm-hmm. um i think it's actually more likely that this is going to endure for longer mm-hmm. and uh so while it's enduring you know we we need to um yeah we need to be innovating we need to be repenting we need to be mm-hmm. um using this as a time to learn deep lessons yeah. about our, what we need to prioritize in our lives right yeah. i do think you know as we as we segue to talk more directly even about marriage during covid i think I think this, I think COVID-19, I think the season, the quarantine, the stress of it, the political climate, all of these things, mm-hmm. the social uprisings, everything. I, I believe that it's, it's revealing things about people's marriages right now. For sure. Um, you yeah. know, kind of what, yeah. you know, you know, kind of, you know, when, 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 you know, what was, you know, the preacher talked about, you know, whatever's in the cup, when the table starts shaking, you know, whatever's in the cup starts coming out of the yeah, cup right. or whatever, right? So you can kind of see what's in it. You can kind of see yeah. what's in your marriage when, when tribulation, when difficulty, when stress comes. Right. And I think it's a, I think it's a revealing time. It's not just marriage. I would say probably all of our relationships are being tested in different ways, For but, sure. but certainly yeah. um, the marriage relationship you can you can feel the pressure and the tension. Would that resonate with you? Would that resonate with oh, how you think about even your oh, your marriage to me? Oh well, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think whatever, yeah, whatever fissures are in the, you know, whatever cracks or fissures are in the in the marriage relationship, um, when you put that under stress, they're just going to um, be exposed and hopefully not worsen. Hopefully, you can find ways, as you say, be innovative. And begin to attend to those things. I like the. I like the. Um, actually, I love the, the theme of innovation because that kind of like brings in the whole idea of hope. Yeah. That you know, innovation means that even a different context and even hard situation, we can continue to grow and we can mm-hmm. grow in new ways. Mm-hmm. So that the so that the distress itself and the um, that the trauma itself is not ultimate. The trauma yeah. becomes a context in which growth happens. Mm-hmm. And that actually is a hopeful thing, actually, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so innovation, I think, I mean, certainly, um, I think innovation in, in marriage, mm-hmm. you know, how, what can we do as a, as a couple to begin to, um, you know, address the things that maybe have, maybe have been exposed, mm-hmm. um, to begin to, um, innovate in the way we spend time together, innovate in the way we demonstrate care for one another, so, uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that, um, this is the time in which, um, we have found ways to do dates in innovative ways. You know? <laughs> not, not, not enough. Not enough. Not amen. Enough. Not enough. Amen. I will receive that. No, 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 my brother. Adjust <laughs> But, you know, I mean, like, for modify, instance, you ratify. I mean, you know, I, um, <laughs> You know, we've been able to, I, I think that sometimes we've had to just like, you know, go, we, we go to Lowe's together. It's like, well, <laughs> this, is, this is not, you know, this is not what I would call a date, <laughs> but it is an opportunity to be together. We're going to Lowe's today again, probably. Would pro- well, <laughs> only, if you, only if you are willing to go. You know? <laughs> I, I heard. 
I heard when I came in the house, I heard that we that, that we got to get something from love. Yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> it depends on whether the kids come. If the yeah. kids don't come, then we get that is a day. If the kids come, then it's a trip. Yeah. So <laughs> it is a journey. Yeah, it's a trip. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, in terms of innovation, I think there are a lot of things that, that we have to do to think creatively mm-hmm. about how to um, be intentional to meet each other's needs and to care for one another and notice each other. Um, you know, um, so, yeah. I wonder to what extent this is just for this is for us, but people who are married in general, but just are, are, if people are able to notice or pick up on the the harm or the harms of this particular moment as they're expressed through their spouse, right? Like the, like the way this particular cultural trauma, and I was, I would call COVID a cultural trauma, um, the way that it's impacting, you know, their closest neighbor, their, their spouse, you know, their spouse right, is in their home with right, them, right? Right, right? And, and I, and I say that because the, the idea of like, I wonder if we're picking up on it because we have, because we ourselves are experiencing the stress and how difficult it is to be able to perceive the exhaustion, the weariness, the whatever it is of the other person when you're also in the same funk. Like, and, and, and it might be expressed very different. I just, I just feel right. like it makes sense to me why, you know, we know so many couples and why there's so many. And I think the research is going to show just how many people are, did not make it through COVID. Right. In terms of their marriage <laughs> relationship. In terms of their marital relationship. Yeah, because I think everybody's in a fog and missing the yeah. ability to see and, and be attentive to their spouse. That's right. Well, it just it can be an empathy drainer Absolutely. when you are when you become sort of focused on. I mean, because the needs are so great for individuals yeah. that they're. I think what oftentimes happens is they're pulling on each other to meet those needs mm-hmm. without noticing the other person, and so the person becomes the the way to get my need met. You right. Know? Right. And um, and that becomes you know in a situation of a global pandemic. People's needs are especially urgent, and especially folks who, depending on where you are with this, if you're if you say black, if you're a black couple, then you're dealing with COVID, but you're also dealing with injustice. Right. And if you're a black woman, then you got an additional layer of injustice that you're dealing with. And so all those things, I think, compound and cause people to have a real sense of urgency about getting that need met and and being able to have that empathy for one another. And and you we re, you it need it takes. Some additional resources right. from scripture, from the church, from the community, from friends to be able to give people um, to help people to be able to care well for one another. Yeah. You know, um, and and it takes it actually it takes the Holy Spirit right, to right. give us the, the compassion to look beyond, you know, uh, to sort of decenter ourselves. Yeah, and I think and I think what you're sharing right now, Michael, is in like in the this is in the case of. A reasonably healthy marriage, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like this, like this, like this, this uh, exhaustion, this tension, this right. like. Do you do you notice me over here tired right now? Right, like, man. That that's in like that's in a marriage that that isn't that doesn't have that isn't marked by Lots of you know issues, yeah. spiritual and physical abuse right. and right. neglect and infidelity right. and you know right. just right. kind of just gross narcissism and neglect and all so we're we talking about like the reasonably healthy marriage right and people are hitting a wall they're hitting the wall, wall hitting the wall they and are i think and i can i can say you know my ability to um be empathetic in the midst of the cultural trauma is just so low because mm-hmm. it's almost like it's a scarce. It's like a scarcity culture. It's like yeah. it's like you, okay, do I have numb. enough to give out to anybody else? Yeah, you kind of go point? numb, yeah, yeah. And when you feel yourself going numb, it's hard to sort of empathize with other people, you know, because you you yourself, if you lose if you lose touch with your own sort of feelings, right, it's hard to dial into other people's feelings, right, you know, right, right. I mean, I think I feel like remember. Uh, Remember that scene in the in Malcolm X, the movie when Malcolm. Which scene in Malcolm X? Well, I mean, a lot of you there's so many. But I was saying that, that scene in which he sort of has a sense he has a sense that he's going to die, and oh, he sort oh. of check he's sort of like floating yes. down the street, yes. you know, yes. and he sort of has this look of it's almost like like a blank stare. Yes, you talking about Denzel? Denzel, right? He got this blank. He's <laughs> yes. got the blank stare, and I feel like a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people are. Existing that way, yeah, autopilot. It's just mm-hmm. autopilot. It's just sort of numb, blank mm-hmm. stare, and they're going through the motions, and you know, um, 
you know, it's really important to find, cultivate opportunities to find joy and to be able to lament, also to be able to find ways of laughing together. And you know, but yeah, but it's it's hard, hard, hard. Do you recognize that in your in yourself when you're, you know? On, on you know the Malcolm X scene of you know I'm floating when you're floating up in this house and I'm like hello, hello. what are you doing right yeah now? you know I I will <laughs> oh, do, you know, and do you recognize that in me I, like, I either one I do I, I do um, I will oftentimes recognize it in myself as I see your responses to me okay you know like you are like you help me to see. Uh, you kind of look in on me and say, "Hey, you know, you are you checked out?" You know? <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm probably not asking. I'm probably well, you like, probably tell you me. Yeah, yeah, you right now. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you usually comes in the form of a snap. Like, hey, you know, like what is really going? What on? are you doing? You know. So, um, it, it, and sometimes it's just I'll be sitting somewhere just staring out, you know? <laughs> and I know I'm in that Malcolm X zone at that point. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, but that's it, actually that's important. For um, it's it's a blessing that um, to have people that can notice that about you because some oftentimes we don't notice that about ourselves. So yeah, oftentimes I know through your response to me, I get the sense of your own sort of checked outness through. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, like I say, you kind of you, you can be somatic. You know, um, you know, um, it shows up like in sick, my body sick, hurts. you know, headaches and and things like that. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, sometimes, um, some, I can tell through engagement with the phone, you know, I'm like, okay, this might be, she might be just needing to have a time to just kind of sort of mindlessly scroll through Facebook or something, you know, or, or whatever, you know, so there, there are little signs that I, I know that I think you may be having a particularly hard day or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, so, um, so yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's helpful, and I, mm-hmm. but, and I and I think you know when we notice those things, how we interpret them, and then what we do, like the like our response to them, right? Right. It's almost like you have to give permission people permission to. This is all based on trust, right? Mm-hmm. Person, believe that the person means you well and doesn't mean to destroy you or to um, control you or harm you. Hopefully, that's not the case, right? Amen. Amen. Because um, that would be wicked. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, but when people are able to. If, when they, when there is enough trust, they can speak in, speak into your life and say, "This is what I'm noticing. This, you know, this is what I'm seeing right now." Right, that's exactly right. You know? Yeah, yeah. And ideally, that's what, by the grace of God, that's the kind of marriage you know we want to cultivate with our closest neighbor. Is is one where they have uh, there's enough trust in, um, yeah, there's enough enough currency of trust that when they say, "Are you okay?" you don't think that they are, you know, picking on you or belittling you or Mm-hmm. storing up points or or trying to pull something from you you know i think that's oftentimes what it is you yeah know, people are like you know they feel like I, i'm on empty yeah and when this person is saying something to me it's are they are they pulling the last bit of i'm just on fumes already you know and i don't have anything else to give so people can begin to retreat and become defensive and protective of whatever little bit they feel like they have left and um yeah, it, it actually is. You're right. It's an act of faith to entrust yourself to that person and to trust God's word. Um, and God's word uh, it, it says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, that's actually a form of that favor, you know, to people uh, having someone in your life that can say, hey, you are. I, you know, you, I feel like you're checked out here, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're not well, you're not well or whatever. That's, <laughs> that's a blessing. You yeah. know, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um well, we're going to press pause for just a second, and we're going to hear, hear a, a couple seconds from one of our sponsors. And then when we return, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the church's role in marriage right now and right. just the role of community yeah. um, as we think about marriage in 2020, commitment in quarantine. Hey, y'all. We know that due to this pandemic, it feels like the bottom 
is falling out for so many of us, which is why we are honored to bring this new book resource to you all. It is entitled Learning to Be Finding Your Center After the Bottom Falls Out by Juanita Campbell Rasmus. When everything in her life came to a stop, Pastor Juanita Rasmus found that she had to learn to be with herself and with God all over again. In her new book, Learning to Be, Pastor Juanita shares a wise, frank, and witty account of her own story of exhaustion and depression, offering practical insights and life-giving spiritual practices for you to try on your own. If you're longing for a trustworthy companion through dark days, this book is here for you. Now, for our Truth Table listeners, you can save 40% off of Learning to Be when you order at ivypress.com using promo code TRUTH20. That's promo code TRUTH20 when you order from ivypress.com. And this offer expires on September 30th. So jump on it, y'all. 40% off of learning to be when you purchase at ivypress.com using promo code TRUTH20. This offer expires on September 30th. All right, Sarah, welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) Good to be back. We still here? We still here. We still standing. We still standing. You know, earlier when we were talking, you know, know, I've been been, uh, doing some trainings with folks where I've been looking at, uh, you know, cultural trauma, racial trauma, and what it does to the brain, and how one of the first things that trauma, you know, one of the things that happens with with, with prolonged culture, with with trauma, is that it can sap our empathy Mm -hmm. and, like, um, and really, like, inhibit the hormones that release connection. Mm. Right? Mm. So you think about those bonding hormones, you know, when a mom, like, sees her baby for the first time or is breastfeeding or, like, the love, the love hormone, we think about, like, the falling in love hormone. It, it starts to inhibit that. So our empathy level, our connection level starts to go down, which is so crazy because right now, if there's anything that we really, really need is we need to be connected. That's in right. the midst of this cultural trauma, which, yeah. is, which is pulling us away from connection, um, we we so desperately need to be connected to others, right? What you know? In what way do you think that the church has? And we, and we're talking specifically church in America in our context. Mm-hmm. This is obviously still still a broad brush, but mm-hmm. um, the ways in which the church is being maybe harmful and and helpful mm-hmm. uh, to in couples uh, during this particular time. Mm, that's a great question. Um, Okay, so uh, some ways in which the church can be harmful and helpful. Let's start with harmful. Um, if, if the church, <laughs> what do you want to start? With? Well, let's, let's just, start with what's broken. Well, let's start with what's broken. <laughs> well, I like to end on a good note, you know. <laughs> I'm a gospel preacher, so I like to you, like you, you, you want to end with a positive. I like I want to end with a positive. Hoop. I want to end with hope. You know? I wanna, <laughs> yeah, you know, let's start with let's start with the, with, the, with the bad news, and then we'll get to the good news. Um, yeah, so. You know, churches um, when they when they do not have a healthy conception of the way in which men and women are supposed to relate to one another, are called to relate to one another, then that can really do a lot of harm because it um, can cause people to have the additional stress of extra biblical expectations. Right. That um, really can. Do a lot of it can dehumanize people. It can do just it can it can malform people. Um, it can take every bit of it can just strip them away emotionally, spiritually, and in many ways. So um, that's uh, that's one thing um, that can have you have any have any, any comments on that? Oh, I, of course, I agree with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a widespread problem. Yeah, it is a widespread. That's a huge issue. You know, I would refer that to that as uh, gender-based legalism. Gender-based legalism. Gender-based yes, legalism, yes. right? And it, and it, and it, yeah, and it, and it, it, it's a form of also idolatry too, where we start to seek out our our spouse or, um, yeah, the you know the other gender, what you know, to to meet a need. Um, that is beyond what they can humanly meet to satisfy right. what they can humanly meet. That's exactly meet, right. right. So, yeah. um, Idolatry yeah. is bad for everybody. It is indeed bad. It's bad for the idol. Yep. And it's it, bad yeah, for the even, though, even though I do think everybody. that we can deceive ourselves, particularly if we're in the position of power or authority in that scenario. So in that case, it would be the, it, it, traditionally it's, it's the male, right? And um, I think we can deceive ourselves in thinking that this system is working out good for us. 
Yeah. Um, but ultimately and spiritually for our soul's sake and for the sake yeah. of the world, it is not. <laughs> this is not what working out. Well, you know, you see that what, what happens with people is when they are unable to uh, to actually meet those expectations that they put on themselves. You know, if you're if you're in a if you're in a position of an idol for somebody. Right. Then, and you know, only God can can really meet those needs. You know, only God is um, has the infinite resources to be God for somebody. Mm-hmm. And whenever someone else is in that position or uh, taking those things, those those prerogatives to themselves that only belong to God in somebody's life, then they end up um, they end up being exhausted. You know, they end up being becoming irritated and they end up and they can end up actually having an identity crisis for themselves. Sure. Um, and, you you know, I think I mean, and I think you find in some marriages people have that happening. You know, you have you have men who feel as though my ultimate uh, I am supposed to be this person's everything or, everything. or provider and never this that, and the other. And um, and then something happens where they can't be that for that person. And then suddenly they have an identity crisis. Um, and, um, you know, and that's not good. We've seen I mean, I've seen that happen for people, you know, um, so. Yeah. Well, and also there could be some social factors that happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Or some or some physical factors like an illness or a layoff or I don't know, a pandemic. Right. Right. <laughs> Something could happen that 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 really causes people to have to figure out, you know, what what is their most central calling? What is your most central identity? Right. Exactly. And I think. Um, yeah. And we've, I think we have seen these this, you know, in, in ministry and in life, just being in different spaces, different cultural contexts work out in so, so many ways with, um, with, you know, significant and painful implications when people are, when people are off on this. I think that the, I think the church has a responsibility to, um, not push people past, uh, tension, right? I've heard you say this many times about the, the, how, uh, how there's so many parts of our faith that are more principled than prescriptive. And mm-hmm. I think that when people are tempted to resolve a tension, they want a prescription so quickly. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And when it comes to, when it comes to male female relationships, when it comes to honoring, respecting people, I think that um, there are so many people who just want a prescriptive formula. That's exactly they right. Just, they just, they're just like, tell me, tell me how to be. And I, and I would say even very early, early in our marriage, there was a, we had, we worked through dynamics like that, right? Or whatever. Well, yeah, people are like, so the people are so like, well, what is my role? Right. Rather than um, who am I called to, how, you know, what, how am I called to be faithful to Christ here? You know? Right. Um, and when you, when you sort of, when you sort of get into that, that kind of wrong, <laughs> approach to that, what what ends up happening is um, you end up doing you can do a lot of damage. And you know, you remember when um, when Jesus um, is encountering he's dealing with his disciples and he's saying to them that um, you know they're they're trying to get some food and uh, they're walking through grain fields and they find themselves uh, not wanting to pick the heads of grain or they they're doing it and people are sort of chastising them for it. And Jesus basically gives them a teaching about the Sabbath. He says Sabbath the Sabbath was made for man, okay, and not man for the Sabbath. And oftentimes when it comes to, to marriage, people will give prescriptions that are actually undermining of people's dignity or humanity, and it's not working. But because they've got this prescription, they're sort of shoehorning people into it. Into it. Yeah. And, um, and, the, and the, the results are that when you find people coming out harmed, when you find people coming out emotionally abused or uh, neglected um, and dehumanized in various ways. And you know that you're not doing this right, you know, um, because marriage is, is, is made for our flourishing is made for our, our benefit and our blessing. So, um, you know, oftentimes uh, these, you know, these roles are meant to cultivate the kind of people that we're called to be. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't think the Lord is so much interested in who takes out the trash. I think he's interested. Although in, I do have thoughts about that. You do. <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> we, my, my, you do. My, my husband knows that, they, that I do have very, um, I'm, I'm rather, I have, I have a short list of very prescriptive gender roles. Yeah. About, um, that's one of them. Yeah, about, I, about trash. Yeah. So. I am the trash taker outer <laughs> in this relationship. <laughs> I feel, I feel like, you know, 
you know, the trash taker out or yeah. yeah I yeah, feel yeah. like you know, in, that, right. in, in our case, you That's know, I was like right. I popped out them kids. And hey, so hey, I believe well, that the trash. Well, at least I can do. <laughs> I believe that's more than reasonable. Amen, amen, my brother. Amen. I, I, <laughs> I agree with that. I'm gonna agree with that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. But I don't think. I don't think that's. I don't think there's a checklist about right. that. I, Absolutely. I think that. What he, I think what we're what we're called to be is um, is humble and. Uh, and uh, self-sacrificial, and and serving the other, and um, and empathetic, and kind, and looking for ways to bless one another. So right, and I and I think um, so. I think that I think churches could um, grab a hold of that in more I think more intentional ways, and yeah. resist being prescriptive um, outside of um, really being extra, extra biblically prescriptive in, in that regard. If that's the case. Mm-hmm. And really leaning into to, to principles that come from grace um, as it relates to marriage, because that's what people really need. And I would say another area where I think the church uh, and flexible too, and, and, flexible. and, and adaptable. I think a lot of this is because you know you have to really every relationship is unique. You know, um, oh, for every, sure. you know people have different. I mean, we have we have common needs, but but it looks different. But you know, depending on your relational context, right. and so people have to have and, and your cultural context and all kinds of things. So people have to have the adapt uh, the uh, the ability the flexibleness to be able to flexibility to be able to contextualize uh, what does kindness look like in my situation what does humility look like in my situation right. how how can I support my spouse um, who may have um, you know very different gifts than I have or yeah. whatever you know so well and I, th- I think that you know so I think there are churches who do things like you know marriage ministry and I think there are strengths and weaknesses to that in, in the sense that. You know, one, a strong critique is that the church is is too focused on marriage, right? It's too it doesn't even know what to do with single people because it's it's kind of treat, treating them like, well, you'll become a whole person, or you'll become a whole member when you get married. So it's kind of like putting people on default until marriage takes place. But as a married person, I would say, and I can and I can understand it and empathize with that perspective, uh, sympathize with it, you know, that people might hold who are single. But I would say, as a marriage a married person. I don't think that we really that good on marriage either, and no, I, I, I think I think it's marriage centric in the sense that we feel like once we get you married, we don't have to take care of you anymore. We've now handed you over to somebody else that's going that's going to take right, care of you. Right. And I would say whether someone is married or not, they still the covenant community still bears a responsibility for them. Right. Um. So a single a single woman is no less the responsibility of the covenant community than a married woman is. And so that part is, is, is so important to, you know, be thinking about and how we can continue to, to serve each other um, in, you know, mindful ways. So, so I, so I'm, I'm, I know I, people are probably thinking like, you know, the church is really obsessed with marriage and I think in some ways it is, but for the purpose of hending people off. Right. Not necessarily, not necessarily for the purpose of checking in on them, right? Because when I think about some of the most um, egregious or insufficient or unloving responses to people in the church, uh, um, too many of them have been around uh, people who have been in marriage systems that been been in been in a marriage that the church has just kind of been like, okay, they fine. And I'm like, no, we need to check in on them. Like we need, right. we need no, to, we need right. to be holding the, the, the partners of that marriage accountable and providing support and helping to sharpen them and um, provide mentorship. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I think, I think that's incredibly important. I know for us, you know, our marriage has, um, has been strengthened by um, other believers who you know be, being in community with other believers who were taking their marriages seriously? Right, that's exactly. I right. mean, yeah. that's that's been critical yeah, to yeah. Um, our own marriage development, and just at, just as really important points of our relationship, like from its from its kind of newlywedness to having very very young children, having having other couples, and having uh, widows and widowers and. Uh, people who have who have been through difficult marriages and now divorced. People who just had godly wisdom and scars and experience mm-hmm. and accountability um, to help encourage us along the way. No, Can you think of right. you know experiences like that that resonate Absolutely. with you? Absolutely, yeah. It takes a whole yeah. It takes a whole community and a whole church uh, to help you know uh, cultivate 
um, a Christian marriage. You know, it really does. It doesn't happen in the vacuum. Um, and I can definitely think of, uh, you know, lots of times in which uh, other couples have come alongside us as couples or as individuals and have helped us, you know, um, work through things and, and just strengthened us and encouraged and nurtured us along the way. So, yeah, so absolutely. Um, and I mean, and, and the church itself, um, you know, the church itself it, through its through its structures, you know, when it does pastoral care, um, you know, just the accountability of knowing that you have a church that cares. That is huge, you know, because, you know, within your marriage that, uh, hey, look, you know, I can't just do anything in this marriage. You know, people are going to listen. I mean, people know, you know, and, well, I, well, and yeah. also you don't want to do anything. But I'm saying, like, I think people need to know that. Right. People need. I mean, that's that's no, accountability. No, I, th- I think I think that people, um, generally speaking, behave better with witnesses. I think right, exactly. And I think that whether that's child rearing, marriage, work you do, whatever, I right. think we need accountability. And, we do. Um, and I and I think I I have seen too often people, you know, things look good from the surface, mm-hmm. or they people take good pictures. Mm-hmm. And nobody is inquiring. I think this, you know, I'm, I'm well, pretty hard on this as it comes to clergy because, you know, I don't think we do enough work on well, I think that's really what, looking at clergy families to support Right, right, them. right, right. I think that's why things look good on the surface. People take mm-hmm. pains to make it look good on the surface because they care what the public thinks. They care what they care about what that witness, right. you know, that that's that's still that's that's proving the the um, the effectiveness of peer pressure, as, as it were, you know, because um, we are social beings. You know, and so peer pressure is a real thing and it can be used to positive effect when the pressure is is really pressuring you in the right direction. Right. To care for one another, to um, to move in a Christ like way. So. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we're not talking about just behavior modification, just, to, you know, pretending. But, you know, we need we need the spirit at work. What, now, what would you say, you know, as we as we but we do need some checks, though, Uh Amen. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, know, it's not merely behavior modification, but it is that too. (laughs) I I believe in systems and structures and uh, and accountability. We need that. We need that. (laughs) Oh, I'm like, I'm like, who reports to who? Who who can say who now? These are the kinds of questions that I care about. Tell you no, and you can't do anything about (laughs) it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you would have. We think about just how just how deep and wicked and pervasive and destructive sin is. I don't know what comfort it would be to a woman in a sexist society to have a church that does not have the authority to say to their spouse, you, you have a obligation of respect to your wife. Right. You know, like, (laughs) like the church gotta be able to do that. And And I'm, and I'm putting, I'm saying it directly in that way because that's, that's the way the pendulum swings in terms of sexism. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that women don't have a, an obligation of dignifying respect towards their husbands. Absolutely. But in a sexist culture, we, we need the church uniquely to, to step up, to play this role of, um, yeah, of, of ensuring, of, of promoting um, the dignity of, of men and women, both in, in the marriage. Yeah. Of nurturing that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think it has to. So, so, um, so churches steward marriages for the discipleship of the couples of the people involved in the marriage, you know, within the, within the context of the marriage. And so they, they, you know, so there is a responsibility, you know, it's not as though, you know, you're right. I think a lot of people, a lot of churches look at couples and say, well, you know, um, their spouse will take care of them. We don't have to look in because yeah. their spouse will take care of them. And that's uh, I think what we need to understand is that that the man in the marriage is our brother and the woman in the marriage is our sister. And right. we and, you know, we if you know, if you think about your own uh, natural brother or sister, you don't just leave it to their spouse to take care of them. You call your sister. You call your brother. We would hope so. And you, we or else so. you suck as a sibling. <laughs> and you see, <laughs> you know, like, and see how they're they doing. They don't talk about you. And, uh, and, 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 you know, if things, if the marriage is, is unhealthy and it's, it's taking a toll on one of the people, you want to find ways to impact that marriage such that it can be a blessing and such that it can be lifting the person up rather than tearing them down. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You know what? So, what would you say? You know, as as you know, as we think about this particular season with with 
COVID and the stresses and all the things. It's an election year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you if you had if you were trying to offer, you know, lessons on love, you know, and by love I mean like the verb of love, like you know how to love your how to love your wife, right? Mm-hmm. What what would you what would you be saying? And I'll let you know if I think this is accurate because I'm your wife. But <laughs> what 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 would you offer? Maybe some you know there are some brothers that that listen from what I've heard as a couple. Okay, that listen to truth. All right. Well, well, yeah. What what would you offer to share um, some lessons on how to love well during this season? Yeah, yeah. I would say this. Um, so during so you know we used to have a. We used to have a thing on our wall that says, be kind. Everybody's fighting a hard battle, you know. Uh, I don't oh, know at what, our house. At our house, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know where that went. I'm kind of like, where is it? Look, we move. We like, we need, we that, need, we to, need, we need that, to get that tattooed on our forehead. We all fight the hard battle. We ain't trying no more. I think, that's something to, <laughs> I think that's something to keep at the forefront of our thinking. I'll think, say particularly for, for men, we have to be, keep in the forefront of our thinking um, patience and kindness um right now because um we're all fighting a hard battle everybody is traumatized everybody's got their own way in which they're working out their trauma and and grieving through the trauma and so um you know we have to really have a special desire to be patient and and we have to have a deliberate effort to be patient which means that um which means that we don't just say to ourselves well i'm going to be patient you know because that usually just Mm -hmm. results in disaster but what we what we want to do is have some actual benchmarks right we want to say is like you know um okay i'm gonna you know if if we were if we were going to respond to the first comment in a in a negative way then let me say i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait three or four comments and then i'm gonna i'm gonna ask my i'm gonna i'm gonna couch my response in the form of a question that can help my spouse you know rather than to respond to the first comment, you know, so you kind of say, well, okay, well, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I'm, you know, somebody said something to me that's maybe off the wall. I'm going to say something right back. You know, what we want to say is I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything off the wall, (laughs) but if I'm, if I'm inclined to respond, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait um, in terms of time. And I'm going to wait in terms of, of times that this happens before I respond and just, just set that for yourself. Um, so yeah, kindness. I think we've got to. If you were if you were given one flower a week uh, before COVID, you need to be given three flowers a week during COVID. You know, uh, if you're going to do one act of kindness normally during times of non-pandemic in the midst of a global pandemic, you need to be doubling that or tripling that in terms of mm-hmm. just trying to um, be a blessing to your spouse who's in the midst of uh, trauma right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, also, um, just be mindful of your own emotions in the midst of COVID-19 um, and the fact that we're not an endless supply of, of mm. um, you know, of, of patience and all these things. Uh, but but we got to be honest with our but spouse. God is. God, God is. God is. And he's able to, to give us what we need. Um, but we have to be honest with our spouse about where we are. You know, and we can say, um, I believe we can say to our spouse, if we're not doing well, yeah. that, that we're not doing well. Yeah. You know, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to become a landmine for your spouse because that's not a good situation either. So those are some those are a few things I would suggest, um, you know, keep a keep a watch on yourself. Um, if you can go to counseling, if you can go to therapy, I think we just all need some therapy right now. <laughs> You ain't never lie. I mean, we all need. You ain't to, never lie. You know, I don't. I don't care if we feel like we need it or not. We need it. <laughs> we need it. I'm just, I'm concerned about the person in the in the in the coupleship that's like, no, nah, I don't need it. You need it. I'm right. Like, exactly. Oh, right. You are the man. You are the yeah. Thou art the man. Right. Thou if, you say, the man. <laughs> if you say you don't need it, you are the very one. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, counseling and and therapy. That's uh, you know, um, if you could if you have access to that. Um, and you can have access to a good therapist. Go, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I would echo that too. I think this is a time not to go on autopilot. You shouldn't do that within your within your relationships anyway. But it, you can see why that happens. But this is not an autopilot season. <clears throat> this is a proactive um, t- 
time to say what what is what is our strategy for care? Mm-hmm. What is our strategy for caring for each other? What is our strategy for caring for each other each other individually and, right. and as and as a and as a partnership? Yeah, you know what's the game plan? Yeah, and, and to approach it that way, yeah. like you know, because yeah. because if you I think if you get caught slipping, right, um, you know. You, there's going to be huge consequences for that, you right. know, and I think I think we've seen this people yep. who um, that we've we've been able to minister with and have mm-hmm. grown with people that we we love and have done ministry with, yep. um, and within our own marriage that if we go autopilot during this season, we will find ourselves saying things, doing things, acting in a way that we're like, who is that? That's exactly right. right. That's exactly and, right. Um, but who it is is us. That's right. <laughs> it's us. Well, you know, and we yeah. are more than capable. Of self destruction and sabotage and and sinning deeply against each other, um, if if we don't have a strategy of love, like, yes, that's and, exactly and, right. And, strate- and I mean, I, and I would that's what I would encourage people to do if they're hearing this, and if you know if they're married, is to to sit down to pray and to mm. sit down and think of what is what is our strategy of togetherness, what that's is our exactly strategy right. of love during yeah. this season. Uh, and then I would, and then I would say for people who are listening who are not married but but have decided to give this a listen because they're just so sweet, and thank you very much, <laughs> and, I, and I hope you get something out of it, mm-hmm. um, just about maybe how we can treat each other more kindly and um, graciously. That um, you know, I think I think communities are blessed. The, the the covenant community is blessed by by godly and kind and compassionate marriages. They're not only blessed by by just the marriages in it. But that is that can be a unique grace to people, and mm-hmm. I and I'm a wit, I'm a witness and a, and a benefactor of 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 some of the marriages in the churches that mm-hmm. shaped me from early childhood until now, and I would say that that is a unique way that I think we can serve other marriages mm-hmm. right now that we could be praying for our if we are if we are single we we or if we're married we could be praying earnestly for our married friends because I think we you know you 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 never really know what's going on. <laughs> Let me just be clear right, with you. You know, the right, grass is always right. greener. Yeah. And I have beloved friends who have been praying faithfully for marriage and I I want the Lord to bless them with that. But but at the end of the day, you know, I know people who are in marriages yeah. that wish they were not. They would they wish that they were, there you know, toxic situation. You know, there is some there is some difficult, toxic things that they are that they are enduring. That they are enduring for this particular season, right? Yeah. Um and um so, yeah. so I just think that we need to lift people up in prayer. We need to Absolutely. lift up married folk. We need to check on them. Yeah. Um, we need to check on them individually and collectively. Right. We uh, need to bring them before the Lord. Yeah. We need to, right. to whatever extent we can, you know, send a note of appreciation, to a note of encouragement. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I've got good friends. Some of my dearest single friends I know earnestly pray for my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and when I just think about how gracious that is. That's wonderful. That they, you please, know, please tell them thank you. <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm like, no, you know what? I'm gonna tell them thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. But it's that, so gracious. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So yeah. gracious. And read that. the word. Obviously, read the word. Um, you know, because we need to be built up um, in the word, and that that helps us to grow us in Christ, so that we can, um, you know, respond in Christ-like ways in difficult situations, and and be. Uh, you know, um, do it to to love our spouse as well. Um, I was going to say this. I should have said this earlier um, in terms of looking at thinking about ourselves. It's a practical thing. Um, get uh, get plenty get get plenty of sleep. Amen. If you can, if you, if you can get seven to eight hours of sleep. Come on, Mike. Get seven to eight. Amen. That Mike knows I believe in eight hours. Seven to eight hours of sleep. Um, eat eat enough. Eat three meals a day with some snacks. Whatever you're supposed to do. Whatever you're supposed to do. I'm not saying eat three pizzas a day. I'm <laughs> Well, saying, whatever your whatever, whatever, your, whatever thing, your body and you needs, can, whatever your body needs, you know, do that because you don't want to be walking around hangry, you know. Mike is talking about me right now. Well, I, I, <laughs> we have, you know, we got a side, we got a little, we got a little. Uh, this, a is little our, this is in our kitchen. We got a picture in our yeah kitchen that says, "I'm sorry about what I said when I was hungry," you know, uh-huh. and so that that's that's real. You know, Amen. That, that's get me right now. Low blood sugar, it just you know. Um, so. <laughs> um, yeah, and then if you can get an extra, if you can begin, if you can work exercise into your day, um, or physical activity into your day, work that in. You know that's yeah. important so that you can uh, those endorphins and those things that go through your brain when you exercise that can be a real mood booster and that can help you to be able to be the best you that you can yeah. be in the situation. So those are some practical things. I was and I and I would be remiss if I did not say this. 
Um, for this, particularly for husbands, if you are a husband and you are in a situation in which uh, you are going to a church that is toxic and uniquely harmful for your wife, it is a blessing to prayerfully consider how can I encourage my family to be in a more healthy situation? I say that because, you know, I know a number of, of marriages who have that have suffered because they're in a environment, a church environment that might not be the, the church best. itself. The church right. itself, right, uh, is not a great fit for both. For both, it may be. It may be. It, uh, the husband may find more there than the wife does, yeah, yeah. you know, and then she's, sure. she's making a sacrifice. This is not a great situation for her. Maybe some, you know, maybe some misogynistic things happening there or whatever. And but the husband is ha- certain thing. Actually, if there's misogyny there, it's bad for him, too. Amen. But um, thanks. But, you know, it's <laughs> for whatever reason, they're in this situation like that. And I would say I'm not telling I'm not trying to tell people just up and leave their churches. But what I'm saying is they want to you want to really be mindful of being in a situation in which both uh, both um, members of the marriage are being blessed yeah. and being encouraged and being nurtured mm-hmm. in that environment. Yeah. And I think and I think the truth is, is that throughout seasons of marriage, couples do make sacrifices for each other. I think that is that's just reality. I think when people don't when people act like that's not the case, I'm I'm just like, you know, what what where are you living? Like that's right. just that's just true. People are making sacrifices, people are making decisions about what career to take, what what to delay, what to pay for, what whatever. That that is the nature of what it means to walk with someone in life, to walk in marriage together. With that being said, I think that, you know, it's important that both, you know, the husband and the wife are, are, are thinking about to what extent they are the ones always asking the other person to make the call, to make the sacrifice. Right. Um, and and I and I because, and I, you know, I think I think love, uh, love looks like putting that person before yourself. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it makes perfect sense that at some point people will feel unloved if all the sacrifices surround one person's, you know, goals, vocation, identity, et cetera. And so that, that has to be that has to be confronted and loved and resisted. Um, and, and again, to the extent that those those callings are tied together, you know, ideally we want to have we want to be able to our vocational identities, want, we want them to grow together. You know, I mm-hmm. think we have tried to as best we can, we have complementary um, vocational identities mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And there are some things that we do that are very, very different mm-hmm. and that would, that put us in different spaces and different, different groups and different uh, theological traditions and all kinds of things. Right. Um, but there are some things that we do that really are lock and step step by the grace of God, you know? Right. Um, but, but nevertheless, I think even, you know, we have to constantly assess that to think about, you know, are we distributing the sacrifice as well? Um, and, you know, you know, are, are, are we what, what tax are we putting on? You know, what tax am I putting on you? What tax are you putting on me? Um, and then, right. and then yeah. during COVID-19, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, can we put any tax on? That's anybody? right. That is, it's just, <laughs> I mean, that's a major tax to have somebody, you know, to have a situation in which your spouse is in a, in a setting that's just that is uh, demeaning to them or that overlooks them, that doesn't see their pain and doesn't doesn't um, speak to their pain and, and minister the gospel to their pain. Yeah. And so, and we, we know, we know this on personal levels. We do. We, we know absolutely this on do. Personal levels. We absolutely do. So I, I just, I, I wanted to definitely put that out there, you know, for any husband that may be listening that, um, you know, just, you know, just think about in what ways does the church that we are a part of uniquely bless my wife um, and minister to her and, and dignify her. Um, and my daughters and my mom and the women in my life and the women and the sisters and my sisters in Christ. So those are things that to really be thinking about. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you, you came on the show. What was this like for you, for your, for your um, husband? What was this like? Oh, oh what was this like? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I'm just so, I'm just so honored and humbled and blessed to be a part of this. I really am. I, I have, I have watched on over the, the past few years and um, seen this, um, uh, platform really grow and just uh, bless and minister to so many people and I am I am thrilled I am thrilled um that You're welcome yeah that, that this, <laughs> I'm 
I'm just so grateful to the Lord that for you and for uh, and for Kimmy and for Michelle and the wisdom that you all share and uh, the way in which people are able to uh, be built up and encouraged and challenged. And I love the fact of this unique table. It's such an important um, platform for the body of Christ and a great witness. I mean, this is a real point of salt and light. You know, um, and I'm so grateful for you. And I just pray that the Lord will give you many, many more years. So, Oh, thank you, dear. I love you very much. Love you, too. Well, we want to thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about marriage and COVID-19 using the hashtag Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Table, or email, email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account now so you can send your love offerings to patreon.com backslash truth table. Or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is PayPal at Truth Table. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akimini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all. Yeah.